as you know, we're going through um, various aspects of renewing the mind. And I'm going to keep on the same theme because I want to talk about changing our mind concerning language. And, and that's not English or French or Zulu. That is the way we talk and the way we address things. So um, we're talking about renewing the mind. And, and if you know, the, as, as we've been going through this, um, there's, a, there's this wonderful scripture in uh, Colossians 1.16. And I'll read it out to you. Colossians 1.16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he, that in all things he may have the preeminence. What a wonderful scripture that is. And um, all the people before me, uh, especially Steve, have been talking about the invisible and created and invisible. And we know that an invisible, uncreated God, he created this material world that we can see. And he created us. He created man to operate primarily in the unseen by faith. But what has been corrupted through sin is we tend to operate only in what we can see. Like Thomas, unless I see the holes in your hand, I won't believe. What a fallen state that we might find ourselves in. But we're supposed to operate in the unseen. We are created, but to operate in the unseen. And have dominion in the created seen. And all of these um, parts of the created and unseen, they all work together. And we know the picture of the um, center of our being, and uh, Steve turned it the other way around. The bigger us, the real us is our spirit. And then we, are, we have a soul where we think and we have emotions. And then we are contained in this temple, in this in this body, which is the seen part of us. So there's two parts of us that are unseen. And our spirit is who we really are, not according to the way you look. It's a good job for us. You know, have you ever wondered, I wonder what I'll look like in heaven. When I'm dead and gone, and, or when I'm raptured, I wonder what I'll look like. Will I look just like me, or will I look a bit different? And then, the, um, as we heard from Steve, the road, that wonderful preach on the uh, road to Emmaus. And it's quite interesting, they didn't recognize him because it was veiled from them. But I wonder what he looked like. We have pictures of how he looked like, and I wonder what he, anyway, that's totally off the topic. Right, Proverbs 18.21. I want to get into, into our words. <clears throat> Death that's Proverbs 18.21, those that are trying to find it. Remember where it is? It's in the Old Testament. Okay. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. And the message says, uh, of that verse, words kill, words give life. They either poison or fruit. Wow. So just about everything that comes out of our mouths are either life or death. And like we've been impressed today, let those things be the words of God. Let that be words of life. Romans 4.17. Oh, this is such a powerful scripture. The faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, in the presence of him who he believed. God, who gives life to the dead, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Just stop there. Faith had the Ab- Abraham had the faith of God, where God called, gives life to the dead, and called those things which don't exist as though they did. Richard mentioned that just now. In the beginning, God called those things which exist out of those things that didn't. There was nothing. The earth was void and without form. And then he said, let there be. And he spoke life into it. Now there's a, there's a, a sequence here. And it carries on in Romans 4.17. He called those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed that he became became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. There's a lot of spoken in here and speaking. But I want to draw your attention to who contrary, this is Abraham, contrary to hope, and hope sometimes, oh, oh, we... I hope I'm going to win the lottery. Um, I I hope I'm going to um, see my granny at lunchtime. You know, we're not talking about that sort of casual hope. This is an imagination. The word for hope could be translated imagination. It is a mental picture, picture in our mind. So, God's word came to Abraham and it gave him an imagination of being the father of many nations. And it says here, contrary to hope, the imagination that he had, which was, I have got no kids, how on earth is this going to happen? In hope in God, with a good imagination of what God wanted to do through him, he believed. And then he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. Who spoke? Firstly, God spoke. But then, Sarah spoke. Every time, she called Abraham. Because, remember, his name was Abram. What did God do? Change his name. 
Cindy, I think we should all change our names. What a wonderful thing. Put your name in that scripture. Make it yours. Anyway, so God changed Abram to Abraham, put Ham, the ha, the breath of God in his name, and it then became father of many nations. So he introduced himself as the father of many nations. And for 25 years, this went on. And he kept the imagination, the hope out there, that he would become a father of many nations. But if he hadn't spoken it out continuously and declared, calling those things that are not as though they are, the story of Abraham would have been very different. Thank the Lord it did. And we're all here in faith because of the, of the faith of Abraham. So we, can, we should follow the same sort of pattern. The word is extremely important for us. We need to read the word. It is the word of God. But we need to read it with understanding. Because if we read uh, the, and we say, everything in Job is for me, and therefore I'm going to live my life according to Job, we're going to end up in trouble. Because that, you know the story there, we're, that is in the Old Testament, and all of those um, friends, so-called friends, that were advising Job were rebuked in the end of the book. So that's not for something for us to live. Anyway, let's read the Word, understand it. The Holy Spirit on the Word brings revelation. None of us are here. We can't, we can't even get born again and be sitting here understanding the Word of God without the Holy Spirit. We can't get born again ourselves. It is by revelation from Him. He brings revelation. Then we start to renew our mind because the Word is saying some different things to the way we think. And we renew our mind, we correct our thinking, and we see ourselves correctly. We see ourselves as the temple of God, full of power, going out and doing what He's, what he's called us to do. For the, word, the world to be able to see the love of Jesus. And we believe. If we don't believe those things that we read, then it won't help us. It won't benefit us. And that belief brings hope. It brings a positive imagination of good. When we read the Word, it gives us such a strong picture of what God wants, um, what God has called us to do. Sons of God. The Queen of England has just died. There is a new king who inherited what, what her line provided for him. He is now the king. And you see everyone buying to him. Now the queen, I believe she's in heaven, from what I've heard, uh, how she led her life. You might have a different opinion, but it doesn't matter. But whatever, every knee shall bow and every voice, every mouth confess that Jesus is Lord. So she is declaring and bowing before her crown was left on heaven, 
She's got no crown except what he decides to give her. Do you know the Queen of England is going to face the King of Kings just as the same way we are? Us plebs are going to have the same royal reception by the King of Kings as the Queen of England did. Do you realize that? Do you really think about that? President Ramaphosa has got no more spiritual standing than we do. doesn't matter who it is. King David, King Solomon, in all his glory, facing the same king of kings. We are kings of that king. We are sons of God. Do we see ourselves like that? Are we actually saying that? What was that? We will. We're wealthy. We're royalty. Thank you. We're wealthy as well, yeah. We're royalty. Amen. But when we see all this pomp and ceremony going on on this earth and we say, wow, I wish I could be in that position. No, you don't want to be there. You don't want to have all that rubbish. How on earth are you going to cope with all, all the stuff that, he's, that uh, King Charles got to deal with? I'd rather be king of my house, you know, and do the things that God's given me to do. He's given us all something to do. And we are all kings in that area. Amen? Yeah. So we heard from um, Mark Ellis when he was, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? And he was talking about the different lanes. And I was, I was impressed to just um, quickly mention um, what the Lord told me with, um, with this growing in, in revelation and renewing our minds. And that is the um, parable of the sower. And it's interesting. There are four types of soil. Mark had four different lanes. And the parallel is wonderful. And I'd just like to bring our... our remembrance back to that. Now, if you remember the first type of, of soil, if you want to look it up, it's in Matthew 13, 18. The first kind of soil is um, hard soil. And the word is sown into that soil. And remember, the soil that's mentioned is our heart. Okay? The, so, the, the heart is so hard that that person can't even receive the word. And the devil, uh, the birds, and it's described as the birds and the devil, they steal that seed and they eat it. And you have no benefit for it. That is like the first lane in Mark's example where all the world systems are, um, you use those and you have no real word in you to be able to operate in the spiritual things that we talking about today. That's somewhere where we don't want to stay. As we soften our hearts, then we can move on into the next lane. And that one is the stony ground. And as we're going a little bit faster in the next lane, the, the word penetrates. And we do understand what is said, but we don't do it. And we find that there are obstructions that come in our way. We've heard some of those things that were spoken today. And those um, obstructions are misconceptions. And we, we don't really understand that God is a good God. And he's not out to get you. And he's not putting the sickness on you and whatever's happening in your life. 
we've got these stones and they object to, they're getting in our way. Alec uh, Marat brought a wonderful word about um, these, these rocks that suddenly are put in our way and we try to avoid them instead of going through them and we end up being diverted from what God has called us to do. If you can remember that word, that was really, really good for us to, to know. And there's um, tribulations and persecutions come across and they become, uh, uh, we find that these things, these misconceptions are, create a stony heart and we, we are not fruitful. And the next, the third lane and the third type of soil is it's full of thorns and weeds and riches and materialism. Um, they choke out the word. So we receive the word, we understand the word, we've gone to the seminar, we've read our Bible, we understand all about healing, and we understand how God wants to prosper us, but the, we get this wonderful job, and then it's very demanding, and then we can't spend the time with our family, and we get dragged away by materialism, and the word gets choked, because you don't have time to spend work, time in the word. You don't, you, you're working on Sunday. And so the word gets choked out of you. But then the fourth lane is the fast lane where we are fruitful. And all of those other soils are, are fairly limited in, in their fruitfulness. But in fact, the word says that it is unfruitful. But in the fourth lane, the fastest lane, where we, we are flowing with God and our soil is soft and can receive the word. And the main point of that is we do it. We actually do it. If what has been said today and what I'm saying, if we just walk out the door and just carry on like we were before and we haven't been changed in just a little bit and start to do the things that we've said amen to, then we'll be unfruitful in that area. So, so let's, let's do that. And the main thing is for us to take this renewing of the mind and actually do that. So what's been said today is speak those things, declare those things out. Proverbs 18.20 says, the, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. We have to say these things. There wouldn't be a world today if God did not speak. He spoke, and we have the authority to speak as well and declare over our situation. Unfortunately, what many of us do is we end up complaining. We're complaining about the government. We're complaining about the cupboard that's empty. We're complaining about this and that. We're complaining most of all about our spouse. Why doesn't he do what he's supposed to do? No. You're supposed to do what you've been called to do, which is declare, speak out life. Because you will receive the fruit of your mouth. And if you're saying all those negative things, you're going to reap those things. One thing that I was very, very disappointed with my mother. I only realized it afterwards. She died quite young, I think, these days. 72 years old. But I clearly remember most of my life that I can... I can remember her declaration, which was, I do not want to live beyond 70. She said that time and time again. Why? Because 
the stones that she could see that got into her heart was older people over 60 living dreadful lives because they were sick and unhealthy and miserable and poor. And she says, I don't want to do that. So I'd rather die. She got what she spoke. There was two years worth of grace there somehow. But you know, that applies to us. What do you say about yourself? I can't, I can't wait for the rapture. Jesus, you need to come now. Look at all this. And do you know we're on, the, on stage six today? Good grief. But it's not really the load shedding. It is all this pervert stuff, this vomit that is coming upon our kids, coming into our social society. And, and we might say that, and um, my wife likes saying this as well. Sorry, honey. At the end of the book, even so come Lord Jesus. So she says, it's scriptural. So my argument is that, no, I shouldn't be wishing for the, for the Lord to come to get me out of this. Yes, it will happen. But I should be living as a king. And I should be declaring my kingdom around me. And I should be changing those around me. And I don't want to leave more people that... I want to take some people with me. I'm in trouble already. I know that. I can feel it. Now, I know my wife. So, what I'm encouraging us to do is to speak what the Word says and resonate with the Word. I don't know if you remember quite, uh, quite a while ago, I don't know if it was a year or more ago, that, that I stood up here and I, I had a, king's, a king, kid's swing. And I was talking about resonance. And I don't know if any of you remember that, and it was... Um, it was verging on, on um, vibrations and physics and all of that. And I know a lot of you tuned out and didn't remember that. But it, it was a truth there that I was trying to get across. That if you, let me just use the example again. That if you put your child on a swing and you push the swing and it, it goes in a certain frequency. Okay? So it comes up and down. And if you push it with the same um, same frequency, it goes higher. You push it. If you are out of frequency, then you, you, it, you stop it because it goes lower and lower. Now, the word of God has been spoken and if we say the same thing, it goes higher. That hiring, that, that power in the, res, in, the, in the frequency is called resonance. And God is encouraging us to say the same thing as Him because there is great power. We agree with Him and there is this physical resonance with it. There is great power in that when we agree with that. When you pray, folks, please don't bring your shopping list to the Lord. There's a place for that, especially when you're praying together with people. There's a time to declare Lord, I need this, this, and this, and this. There is the time to 
bless Mary and uh, Granny and so and so. There's a time for that. There's a time to just worship God. There's a time to worship Him. There's a time to complain, like David did. Lord, what on earth is going on? And you're having a conversation with God. But then there's a time for you to take the word and to declare it over your situation. Pray for the government with the word. Um, Paul's prayers in Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians are just wonderful prayers that we should pray because that is the word of God. And when we pray that, it is such power, such power. The first part of Deuteronomy 28 is the, is the power of God. I'm the head and not, not um, the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You know those? Um, the first 15 chap- uh, verses of uh, Deuteronomy 28 is a wonderful thing for you to pray over you and your family and your church and whoever and, be- and resonate with that. It is, it is so powerful. Now I'm going to quickly get into something because I, I'd like you to understand that what we're talking about in the Word and this resonance and um, speaking the word and calling those things that are not as though they are, science is finally catching up with that and understanding that the, um, the word is truth and science is catching up. They've got a long way to go with evolution and all of that. I see that card. You can put it down. Bless you. But I want to I want to I want to say say this, and um, how can I do this quickly without confusing you? All right. So science is finding out that everything that we see material is energy, and at some subatomic level. It is a frequency of energy that makes all the material things look different from each other because they have a different frequency. Now, science have found out that, um, and especially light, is a, it's an example of that. Light can exist as a wave or as a particle. And nobody can really understand how, but it is. They find light operating like a wave or as a particle. And they've noticed that when not observed, light acts as a wave at no precise location. And it exists in possibilities. When observed and measured, light acts like a particle. And the possibility field collapses to be a solid object in a specific space and time. And this is what they found in quantum physics. You don't need to understand all of that, but I want you to realize that at the very base of everything are possibilities, hope, which is a wave. And when it is observed and measured, 
it collapses to a specific place in a specific time and is takes material form. Sounds a little bit familiar. If God gives you a vision, if God shows you something to come, and that's the wonderful use of prophecy, He shows you something to come, that imagination is existing as a wave in no particular location. When you can see it, then you can claim it, then it can become a particle, and then it can come, then it can appear. Okay? So, now faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance, the particle, of things hoped for, the wave. Evidence of not seen, of things not seen. Can you see that science is finally recognizing what the Bible says? So, this is not religion. This is life itself. It is the very essence of our creation. that the whole earth is supposed to operate like this. Our whole lives are supposed to operate like this. Take what the Word has... Read the Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a revelation on that Word. Show me what you, wanna, you want me to see today. That will be a picture of a circumstance or you or your family or whatever it is. If he shows it to you, you can have it. Take it. Declare it. Make it yours. And then that faith, faith is your response to that imagination that God's given. You make it your own. You declare it. You're like Abraham. You change your name. You are declaring it all the time. You're declaring that name. You're declaring that thing over you. I'm the head and not the tail. Whatever it is, if you see it, you can have it. Can you see it? Sometimes we can't see it because our imagination is corrupt and it hasn't been renewed. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we listen to teachers. That's why we talk about Jesus and, and share amongst ourselves the wonderful things of Jesus. And when we can see it, and we can declare it, by His stripes, I am healed. You can rattle that off until you're blue in the face, unless you can see it. Because it will just be a wave. No, it will be a wave. When you can imagine it properly, and then you can declare it. And as the scientists say, you pop the quiff, you collapse that field, 
and it becomes a reality to you. If you've got it, it's a minor thing that it hasn't manifested yet because you know it will come. Why? Because God has said that is yours and you've claimed it and you've called it into reality. You can celebrate. You can give joy. Give thanks for those things that you haven't even received yet. Why? Because by faith you've already got it. Does that make sense? I need to end there. God is calling us into a higher place. And it's probably one of the most important things that we need to understand is watch your language. Be careful what you say. Don't be like my mother and die before your time. Don't live in poverty. God didn't call you to poverty. But what are you saying? What are you saying about your, your, your life? What are you saying about your business? What are you saying about that boss? He's giving, you your, he's giving you your salary. Are you cursing him with your words? Are you blessing those that despitefully use you? Who did that say? Who said that? Jesus said that. Why did he say that? He wants us to watch our words. Watch our words. Amen.